the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. AM 1160. It's time for a conversation about the things we share in common. Our common hopes, our common fears, our common struggles. Together, we'll wrestle with the questions that we all have about the issues that affect our lives. This is The Common Good. Now, here are your hosts, Brian Fromm and Ian Simpkins. Welcome to The Common Good. My name is Brian Fromm, uh, usually joined by my co-host Ian Simpkins, but Ian is still out today. So I am joined by our first ever fill-in co-host, Kelly Brady, senior pastor at Glen Ellen Bible Church, is joining us today. How are you, Kel? I am here. I'm ready to go. This is fun. This is fun. It's great to have Kelly here. For those of you who may have heard Kelly last week, Kelly uh, is the senior pastor of Glen Ellen Bible Church, where I was on staff at one point, and so we're excited that he's here. Uh, again, this is The Common Good. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash The Common Good Radio Show. That's The Common Good Radio Show. We like to go there, have interaction. Um, we post some fun stuff. And also, you can find us online at 1160hope.com. And also, we would love to hear from you via telephone. If you've got anything you want to respond to through our time here, you can give us a call at 312 312- Six six zero two five nine four. We love phone calls, so that's three one two six six zero two five nine four. In fact, I believe we already have our first phone call of the day. Uh, let's see who's calling us today. Uh, hi there, hey, uh, long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> Great job to both of you. Really love your stuff. Thanks, Dad. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> for those of you, for those of you who can't tell, this is our normal sidekick, our normal co-host, Ian Simpkins. Ian, how are you, my man? How are you, bud? I am exhausted, but not nearly as exhausted as my wife is. So we have not shared with people why why you are not sitting with next door next to me yesterday or today. Why Kelly's here? Uh, why don't That's you share? Right. Why, why, you share why am I here? <laughs> why is Kelly here? That's a pretty existential uh, question. <laughs> we can talk about that later. Why are you here? I do want to say before I reveal that, though, Brian, I thought you did a great job yesterday. Thanks, my man. Uh, flying solo. I disagree with everything you said, though, <laughs> just for the record. Disagree but 100%. Did, you, no, did, I'm kidding. you didn't have a microphone to tell me that, so it's good. It's good. <laughs> yes. True. That's a good point. Well, we, uh, my wife and I yesterday welcomed our second child into the world. He came uh, five weeks early, just like his older brother. Wow. And, uh, so that was that was a big surprise, but... Uh, my wife did an absolute incredible job, and he came to the world uh, full of vigor and joy. And because he's a little early, he's in the NICU now, um, so we're we're kind of waiting that out. But great, baby's healthy, mama's healthy, and uh, we are we are absolutely thrilled that he's here. Awesome, and and the name and the name. So yeah, so his name is uh, Redmond. Nice, Redmond Eldon, named after um, my wife's great grandpa and my great grandpa. And uh, so we we really love kind of honoring uh, our family and the people that kind of came before us and led to where we are now. And there's, you know, really significant meaning. And so uh, we are accepting nicknames. The name is Redmond, <laughs> R-E-D, 
M-O-N-D. So when anyone has nickname suggestions, we, we are all ears. People have suggested uh, like Big Red oh. or um, Mondi or Remy. So uh, maybe, maybe, maybe we'll make a competition out of it. There you go. They can do that at the Common Good Radio Show on Facebook.com. <laughs> so the Common Good. Hey, man. Nice plug. Hey, bud. Congratulations. We're real happy for you. You went to extreme levels to uh, get off the show for a couple days, but uh, impressively done. <laughs> Uh, but Ke- Thanks so much, man. Kelly, and okay. Kelly, I'm really grateful for you being there filling in, man. That really means a lot. I appreciate it a it's lot. It's a privilege. Yeah. Thanks, bud. We'll see you soon. All right, guys. Cheers. See you, bud. Well, that's that's good stuff. A lot of you were asking us where was Ian, and we did. We wanted to let him share. So, uh, Do you Ian, remember those tired days? Oh, I do. Him and I were talking the other day, and I said, you know what? I can remember after our first child, we brought her home, and I couldn't believe they let us bring Madeline home even. And then we were just sitting up at 2 in the morning as she screamed, just staring at each other right. going, what have we done? Our first was a screamer, too, for about eight months. Yep. So was my first. It's amazing we had any it's more birth children. control's what it is. <laughs> this is really true. <laughs> it's really true. So we're happy for Ian, and we're also happy we don't have newborns. So uh, coming up when Ian comes back, I'm sure he's going to be a little sleep-deprived, so we won't know what comes out. So, again, sitting in for Ian today on The Common Good is Kelly Brady, and we are grateful for Kelly. Uh, and, Kelly, your, your bio says that your passion is to see people go from missing spiritual lamps to making them. And you've written a couple books, married, and have three adult kids. So, uh, good friend of mine, I'm glad that you're here. We're going we're gonna to have some fun over the next two hours. Yeah, I can't wait to get into it a little bit. Yep. Speaking of that, I was reading an article the other day from Lifeway. And the article, the story's uh, headline was interesting to me. It's just as behaving Christianly in our politics. So why don't we just jump right in? Here's the line that stuck out to me, because we know this as pastors and just as Christians. Few things cause people to become more heated and opinionated than the subject of politics. You've been a pastor for a while. So as a pastor and just as a Christian and someone who's helping people form their theology how do you speak about politics to the people of your church or just, you know, how do you do it yourself? You know, I really use Facebook a lot <laughs> as a platform to air my political opinions. Um, you know, I, there's a joke in the article that you, you brought up. It's uh, congratulations. You've convinced me to change my vote. Thank you for helping me, said no one ever on a Facebook platform or Twitter or whatnot. So there's so much arguing out there. There's yeah. just a lot of white noise when it comes to politics. So. Um, you know, I wonder if my congregation would even know mm-hmm. how I vote, um, it, which is interesting. The article alludes to uh, the author of the article references Tim Keller, who's a mentor of the author. And um, and Tim actually says, keep them guessing, keep them guessing. And I think Tim's point is Tim Keller's somebody that I I respect as a, a pastor and a teacher. Tim's point seems to be uh, focus on Scripture, focus on the, the teachings of the New Testament uh, don't focus on political um, platforms or positions. So that's I generally that's follow good. that rule. I like to say I stay upstream of politics. So mm. it is true that there is a lot of theological subjects. There are a lot of theological subjects that are politicized. Yeah, <clears throat> and I can't control that. And, <clears throat> and and we should live out our theology in in the world. But I try to stay upstream. I focus on what Scripture teaches rather than how how we're to put it into action, what yes. particular position we're to take. And a Scott Sauls, like you said, I think uh, he's he's somebody that studied under Tim Keller. Uh, he said he has a quote that rings in my head all the time. Saul said, uh, "As a, as a follower of Jesus, who's kingdom minded, uh, 
your politics, your theology should anger both the right and the left. Mm. And that if it's not, then you're probably doing something wrong. And I think as pastors, that's, that's helpful for me. Yeah. Um, I don't tend to spend a lot of time talking politics. I'll engage people outside of the pulpit, but I don't spend a lot of time. And I, like you, uh, I enjoy the concept of maybe they don't even know what I think. Uh, you know, people assume that they can figure it out, but... Um, Hopefully they know what we think regarding scripture. Correct, your point. correct. Just not politics. But how we how we'd vote when we get into the voting booth? Uh, I just don't know that what a waste of time that would be for me to talk about my voting practices from the pulpit. I want to focus on Christ. One of the things I try to avoid when it comes to politics is I don't want to be the Holy Spirit. I don't want to play the Holy Spirit in anybody's life. Yeah. I think around the campfire with Jesus and Scott Sauls points this out in the article. Simon the Zealot on one side of the campfire. Mm. And Matthew, the tax collector on the other side of the campfire, both disciples of Christ, Simon, so-called the zealot, because he would have been for the, he would have been a proponent of armed overthrow of the Roman government, while Matthew, the tax collector, was an employee of the Roman government (laughs) functionally. Yeah, I think we lose that sometime. That's so true. And so they're around the campfire. They're both listening, learning, following Jesus. Um, And I don't remember Christ ever telling them, um, uh, you know, a, an, an explicit command about this is how we're going to, this is how we're going to act yep. politically. Yep. And uh, so it's so true. And as a pastor, I've, I've gotten most discouraged. I remember, I think my greatest amount of discouragement happens around the biggest elections to see people mm-hmm. get so fired up. And what I would say uh, to followers out there, to Jesus followers out there uh, is um, you've got to be kingdom focused. Like our kingdom, this kingdom of this world is not our actual um, our focus. Right. And that to be kingdom minded means that, that it, it transcends our politics. In fact, our politics have to fall under that umbrella. And I'll tell you this, if we, if we're kingdom focused, we'll be a blessing to our communities. Take Joseph in the land of Egypt. Joseph was kingdom minded and a blessing, uh, to the, 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 uh, the Egyptians. Yeah. Daniel in Nebuchadnezzar's Babylon was a blessing and he was kingdom minded. Absolutely. So we want our people out there. That's what we've called this the common good, because uh, we want to look for what's in common and to deal with the messy. And politics are messy. Uh, But as Christ followers, our faith in Jesus must even not just transcend our politics, it must inform our politics Mm -hmm. uh, and drive the way we think. Well, we're off to a good start here on the common good. My name is Brian Fromm. I'm joined today by Kelly Brady. Again, you can reach us at area code 312-660-2594. That's 312-660-2594. Two five nine four are on Facebook at facebook.com slash the common good radio show. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about the faith and politics forum that, that was the other day talking about the Chicago mayoral race. Um, so when we're coming up, we're going to have that conversation with Professor Noah Tolley from Wheaton College. That's on the common good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. This is the common good with Brian Fromm and Ian Simpkins on AM 1160. Hope for your life. AM 1160. Welcome back to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. My name is Brian Fromm, and I'm normally joined by Ian Simpkins, but Ian is out. He was here on the first hour on the phone telling us that him and his wife just had a baby. So congratulations to Ian and his wife. But filling in for Ian today is Kelly Brady, a friend of mine, but also the senior pastor at Glen Ellen Bible Church. Uh, well, right now, uh, last week, or on Monday, it was the Faith and Politics Forum at Progressive Baptist Church of Chicago, uh, and the goal was, as they gear up for the mayoral election in the city, 
to have a conversation with some mayoral candidates. Uh, and we thought we would talk about that a little bit here in the Chicago land. And to do that, we're going to bring on Dr. Noah Tolley. Noah Tolley is a professor of urban studies and politics and international relations at Wheaton College. And, Noah, and Dr. Tolley is also the director of the Center for Urban Engagement and professor of urban studies and politics and international relations. And lastly, Noah Tolley is an old college roommate of mine. So uh, I, I, I struggle with the fact that an old college roommate of mine has all of these credentials. So Noah, how are you, my man? I'm good. How are you, Brian? I'm good, bud. I'm good. I also think to be with you. My my the pre- credential I'm proudest of is being your former roommate. <laughs> I I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah. Uh, and also, people, I can get them not to like you right now, Noah, because I can tell them that you're the biggest Philadelphia Eagles fan that I know, and uh, that that went well for you a couple weeks ago, but not for most of the people in our listening audience here. You're right. My flying my Eagles flag at the house didn't go over well <laughs> with the neighbors that week. They're willing to put up with it until that. So, no, it's fun to have you on, my man. So uh, you took some people down to this forum. So we're just interested. uh, uh, What was it about? Who hosted it? Who sponsored it? And what was the purpose uh, of this this Faith and Politics Forum? Well, it was hosted, as you mentioned, at Progressive Baptist Church, uh, which is a great place to uh, pull off a special event like this. I don't know what uh, you or your listeners know about Progressive, but one, uh, one aspect of its ministry has been a legacy over the decades of connecting faith and politics, faith and social issues, uh, grounding that engagement in being serious biblically, very serious biblically, Christ-centered, and yet not pulling back uh, from important and pressing social issues. So, for example, when Martin Luther King Jr. came to Chicago uh, during his ministry, uh, Mayor Richard J. Daley said that pastors shouldn't allow him to preach wow. at their churches. But the pastor of Progressive Baptist Church at the time said that he was going to ignore Daly's injunction and uh, allow Martin Luther King Jr. to preach there. So on the one hand, you had the host, which was Progressive, and Charlie Dates, their senior pastor, is uh, really masterful at making these connections, yeah. um, making the gospel the center center of things, uh, but not not allowing that to keep us from engaging politics, but letting that drive our engagement. And on the other hand, you had the, uh, the AND campaign, um, which is a relatively new organization that started at the national level that is trying to bring together conversations on faith and politics, and I think really succeeding well. Awesome. Professor Tully, Kelly Brady here. How are Hi, you? Kelly. Hey, I've... Uh, I, uh, my son's a senior on campus there. He's not in the political science world, but um, uh, he's got a good friend named Noah who is uh, in the department there and loves uh, being a part of your class as Noah Frazier. So uh, speaks oh, highly you. of you and uh, heard good things about you. I, you know, I just, on the first segment, I, I serve as senior pastor at Glenelg Bible Church. I just, on the first segment, say said something. I would love your feedback on it. Coach me a little bit here. I said that I tend to stay upstream of politics when I'm in the pulpit. I try to focus on theology. And what yeah. I'm hearing you say is Progressive Baptist has taken a different trajectory and, and a different kind of tact. Maybe I'm wrong there. Could you coach me a little bit? I'd love to be a, a positive influence in the community. Uh, maybe I just don't know how to integrate politics in theology into the community life of the church. Is that something you're advocating? How would I go about that? Yeah, I think uh, I think I am advocating it, and I think that uh, that Progressive and Charlie did a great job of advocating it uh, the other night. 
Um, I think the event actually did a fantastic job of showing us how it can be done. And I also think that Justin Gibney, who is the president of the AND campaign, did a fantastic job uh, explaining why we ought to. Mm. And, and so I'll start there, and then I'll tell you a little bit about how the event went, because I, I think that it was a good example. Justin pointed out that we would be bad stewards uh, if we were called to love our neighbors, but we abdicated politics. Mm. Um, we, we would not be engaging one of the primary ways in which we shape the communities in which our neighbors live. Mm -hmm. um, but on the other hand, we would be idolatrous if we were to elevate politics so highly that we make it an ultimate thing. Mm. And the goal of the AND campaign is to make sure that we're good stewards. We don't abdicate politics, but on the other hand, to make sure that we're not idolatrous. And I think that's a worthy goal. I think more of us need to, to explore the space between those things. That's good. That's helpful. One of the ways that worked out in the, in the event, um, one of the ways it was different from other mayoral forums mm -hmm. is it began with worship. Wow. Um, but the worship wasn't the sort that was sort of civil religionist. It wasn't the sort that was elevating politics. It was the sort that was relativizing politics. In fact, one of the songs that, that the worship team and everyone in the audience sang was, there's nobody like him. Mm. And I think we need a reminder of that when we have uh, mayoral candidates who are about to step on the stage, mm -hmm. uh, mayor's very powerful office in Chicago, as we know. Uh, we need a reminder there's nobody like him. We may need a reminder there's nobody like him when we have a presidential election. Mm. And then after the moderated conversation, um, Charlie got up and uh, pro proclaimed the gospel. He uh, cited John 3.16, uh, quoted a couple verses there for, for added context, uh, urged the audience to be Christ-centered and all the things that they do, and even turned around and addressed the mayoral candidates themselves and said, this gospel is for you. Wow, mm, that's powerful. I'm at the yeah. uh, Ann Campaign website, and it, uh, the front page is Biblical Values and Social Justice. Mm. It looks like good stuff. Yeah. Uh, mm. Yeah, no, with like, uh, we got another minute or two left. Uh, you do a lot of work in Chicago with the Wheaton students, and, and you're doing really good stuff. We often out here often hear bad things about Chicago, right? Like things are just terrible and this and that. What are you hopeful about as you engage in the city? What, is, what gets you fired up, and, and where does your hope lie for the city of Chicago? I think... Um one of my one of the things I've privileged to see, mm -hmm. and often through our students uh, who are working with organizations for their internships during the semester, sometimes through our uh, community engagement council members, mm -hmm. advisory board members of ours, uh, is is the good work being done on a day in day out basis by organizations uh, that are working in what one urbanist called Chicago's deeply shadowed backstage. Hmm. Um, Janet Abu-Lugode was a, an urban studies scholar, sociologist by training, who said that Chicago has an elegant facade and a deeply shadowed backstage. Hmm. And that's true. And, and we could spend a whole, a whole show of yours uh, exploring that yeah. um, and, and teasing out the dimensions of that metaphor, which are many. But I get to see a lot of organizations that are putting in 
fantastic work in that deeply shadowed backstage and the assets in those communities are are greater than most people know yeah and the agency that that people have in those communities and the empowerment that they have when um someone comes alongside i could learn a lot from watching what yeah. those communities do with the assets they have well, that's awesome hey noah thank you my friend thanks for being on today we're gonna have to take you up on that again and have you on for longer next time and talk more about the fabric of the city. Uh, we'll need to get together soon too and have a cheesecake as a uh, cheesesteak as two uh, two East Coast guys here, right? <laughs> hey, that all sounds good to me. Cheesesteak and coming back on the show. I'm I'm down for both. There you good. There you go. Thanks, Noah Tolley. That is Doctor Noah Tolley from Wheaton College, helping us talk about the city of Chicago and the faith and politics uh, forum. Well, again, this is the Common Good on AM eleven sixty. Hope for your life. If you want to interact with us, you can do so at 312-660-2594 or on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show. When we come back, coming up next, we are going to talk to Kent Vincent. Uh, He is a church consultant. We're going to discuss what does a healthy church look like? What does a church look like that is reaching their community? That's what's coming up on The Common Good on AM 1160. This is The Common Good with Brian Fromm and Ian Simpkins on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. AM 1160. Coming up on The Common Good, we're going to talk to Kent Vincent, a church consultant, and we're going to discuss what makes for healthy churches and what makes for churches that are reaching their community. That's what's coming up next on The Common Good. AM 1160. Welcome back to The Common Good on AM 1160. My name is Brian Fromm, and I'm usually joined by Ian Simpkins, but Ian is out because Ian and his wife uh, just gave birth to a healthy baby boy. So congratulations to the Simpkins family. Sitting in for Ian today is Kelly Brady. Kelly is the senior pastor uh, at Glen Ellen Bible Church in Glen Ellen, Illinois. I am the lead pastor at Four Corners Community Church in Darien, Illinois. And uh, we are excited, Kel. I'm glad you're here today with me, man. I feel like a substitute teacher. Ah. Am I getting any respect? <laughs> <laughs> we are making faces behind you and you're not looking and stuff like that. So uh, one of the things we like to do here on The Common Good, like we've said, Ian and I and Kelly are all pastors. And so we are passionate about the local church because we long to see people come to know Jesus. At our church, we say we want to see people find and follow Jesus. Um, and someone who's been very helpful in my life uh, is a church consultant through Oxano by the name of Kent Vincent. Uh, four years ago, Kent transitioned from working in the local church to working on the local church, and he now travels North America working with church teams. Kent is based out of Nashville, uh, Tennessee. So I've asked Kent to join us, and he has been gracious enough to do so. Kent, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great. Thanks Good. for having me on today. Yeah, it's my pleasure, man. My pleasure. I'm guessing the weather in Nashville is just a little bit better than in Chicago right now. I'm going to bet it's not. It is the, I just flew in from Orlando this morning, and it oh. is messy and rainy and cold, and it was so beautiful in Florida. So, no, nope. <laughs> uh, my guess is we, we pretty are – are you guys getting snow up there right now? We, are, you, we, are you frozen we, yeah. like that? Yesterday we got one of just those nice, nasty, like, ice days, you know? So, oh, yeah, yeah. Brutal. We call that winter here. So, you know, it's, it's, this is the time when I always look at – this is when I look at my wife and say, why, why did we live here? But it, spring yeah. is coming. Yeah. Well, Kent, as I said, you know, uh, you and I have talked a lot about just the church and our passion for the church and uh, wanting, you've come to our church and tried to help us dream and also um, kind of what does it look like to be healthy? And that's the where I wanted to start. Just 
give me some ideas from you of what makes for a healthy church. What are just some of the ingredients to which you look at a church and go, you know what, that's a healthy church? Yeah, yeah. So uh, a couple of ideas that I want to throw out, I think it would be helpful to your listeners, is the first uh, idea, kind of big idea, is healthy churches have clarity around their identity. It's kind of mm. like people, uh, they're comfortable in their own skin, they know who they are. And uh, at Oksana, we use what we call the five irreducible questions of, of leadership, that if you can't answer these, uh, these are identity questions, but if you can't answer these, kind of hard to lead. The first one is, you know, what are we doing? At the end of the day, what are we doing? What's our mission? Uh, second question is, is why? You know, why do we do it? What are yeah. our motivations for that? What are our values? Third would be when. When are we successful? What are our measures? You know, at, our, at the end of the day, discipleship, what does it look like? What's quality control? What kind of disciple are we making? How are we going to get that done would be question four. That's around our strategy. And yeah. uh, ultimately, where? Where are we going vision? So once you can answer those questions, uh, that helps you as a church to start kind of saying, okay, this is how God has created us. We can be comfortable in our skin. So big rock number one, healthy churches have, and healthy church cultures have clarity around identity. Um, awesome. The second big rock, and I think this is a, it's a really good thing, and I'm, I'm seeing this I'm seeing this kind of contort in churches right now, but it's unity around direction. So I think in church world, we've started to confuse peace and harmony with biblical unity. Mm. And uh, what it's done is it's, it's made us peaceful in the walls of the, ha- of, the, of the church, but it's made us ineffective outside of the church. Interesting. And so, you know, unity is really found around a missional vision. It's, 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 you know, I'm, I'm in Nashville. It's not around a football team. It's mm-hmm. not around a demographic. It's not around a skin color. It's not around socioeconomic. It really is around, hey, I love my church, and I love who we are in identity. I love our direction. I love our vision. And we're unified around that. Great. And what that does, that starts to foster this we is greater than me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when you when you start to, to transcend there, you start to have really healthy church culture. So the big rock number two would be unity around direction. That's helpful. The, the third big rock, I think, um, that I see in healthy church cultures is a commitment to authenticity. And I heard this is going to play well, you know, in the South. I don't know if it'll work in Chicago, but I heard <laughs> this yesterday. I just laughed about it. Um, someone said this, you know, Jesus said, quote, all have sinned not y'all have said. <laughs> <laughs> we get it, we get and it. I, yeah. <laughs> you get it, okay, it, it works up there. And so, you know, I think this whole commitment to authenticity, look, we're all beggars trying to find bread. God is transforming us all, we're all in process. And so I think a marker of really good, healthy church culture is, you know, a, a commitment to transparency and vulnerability and not being judgmental and so on and so forth. And and that, to me, is a marker. When I walk into a place and I have that sense, or I have a, a conversation, I feel that, I, I usually walk away going, this is a pretty healthy culture. Awesome. They're, they're honest about who they are. And then I think the fourth big rock, and I know there's probably many, many more, but this is kind of distilled down. The fourth big rock is a, a healthy culture celebrates progress over perfection. Mm. Um you know, we're, we're, again, kind of with that authenticity piece, we're, we're not perfect. There should not be an aspiration to always be perfect. But what we should be is in progress. And as a culture, corporately, as individuals, believers, we should be celebrating and cheering each other on as we see progress 
in our spiritual walk. So anyway, those are great. just a kind of a distilled list of four things that I would say, those are pretty good markers of, of healthy church cultures. That's, that's good stuff, Kemp. Uh, this is Kelly Brady here, and Brian and I both lead a church, as you know, and I wondered, what, what advice would you give to, whether it's to a pastor leading in a church that has lost its way and isn't on mission and lacks vision, or what, what advice would you give to uh, the average pew sitter who finds Sunday after Sunday frustration with their church lacking identity, lacking direction, lacking authenticity? What action steps do we take first? That's good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Kelly, it's great to, to hear your voice, and I'm, I'm familiar with your church as well, so uh, happy to have you on. Yeah, I, you know, it's a leadership issue. Ultimately, it's a leadership issue. And so, you know, it's not the congregation's job to bring clarity to the church. It's the leader's job mm-hmm. to do that. And so the first step, you know, there, there are certainly books out there you can read. Um, Will Mancini, the founder of Oxana, has two great books out. One is called Church Unique, mm-hmm. uh, which helps you answer those five-year news books. Okay. read it in graduate second. school. Required reading by Ed Stetzer. <laughs> Ed Stetzer, yep, yep, yep. yep. The second book, it came out about uh, about 18 months ago, is called God Dreams, mm. and God Dreams is really around that vision piece, and and we really wrote that book collaboratively. It, it Church Unique comes out of kind of some conceptual things, mm-hmm. you know, at the start of Oxano. Uh, God Dreams is really birthed out of the consulting world. Mm. When we work with churches, th- this is how we help them come to clarity. Mm. And so, you know, for a leader who is not pick that book up or work through that book. It is a how-to book on how to at least get you get the conversation started, awesome. along with some tools in there to, to steer the conversation. It's designed to help if you put together a collaborative team of elders or deacons or whatever your polity is, sure. put together some good thinkers, work through that book as a workbook, and I think at least you'll start having the conversations that you need to have uh, around clarity and identity. Awesome. Kent, we've got like a minute left. I just wanted to end with this question, uh, kind of tee you up a little bit here. Uh, are you hopeful, as you travel the country, are you encouraged and hopeful? The Church of America gets a lot of bad rap. Are you hopeful for what you're seeing out there? I really, really am. Um, I, you know, we're seeing, of course, a lot of church plants, and we're seeing a lot of momentum there and reaching people. But even in the revitalization effort that I'm seeing kind of going on nationally, uh, churches that were dead and dying have either find way, found ways in leader, with leaders to find revival, or they're connecting with life-giving churches. Mm-hmm. But the big picture to answer your question is, yeah, you know, it's, it's certainly not—I'm not in despair. I'm looking at it going, there's work to be done for sure. But there, God is doing a really good work kind of across the country right now, and, and we should as believers be really encouraged in that. Awesome. Hey, Kent, I'm really thankful for you, the role you've played in my own life. I got to go visit you while I was on sabbatical this summer and got to enjoy Nashville a little bit. <laughs> uh, but also, I'm, I'm grateful for your passion for the church and that our listeners could hear that. So, hey, bud, thanks a lot for joining us today. My privilege. Thanks for having me on, guys. Take yeah, care. We'll talk to you soon. That was Kent Vincent again. He is on staff as a... Uh, uh, at Oxano, a lead navigator for their uh, church consulting, and just kind of giving us a good picture for what's going on in the church out there today. Well, coming up next, we're going to a- answer the question or ask the question, is the church, or and we as Christians, called to social justice or to spreading the gospel? Is it an either-or question? That's what's coming up next on The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. This is The Common Good with Brian Fromm and Ian Simpkins on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. 
1160. Welcome back to The Common Good on AM 1160. My name is Brian Fromm, and usually I'm joined by uh, my co-host Ian Simpkins, but Ian is out because his wife gave birth to their second son just yesterday. And so uh, the Simpkins family, congratulations. And uh, keeping Ian's seat warm here in the studio is Kelly Brady. Kelly is... Uh, the senior pastor at Glen Ellen Bible Church. So, Kel, we're we're doing we're rolling here, ma'am. I think we're doing it. I think we're doing it. I think we're doing it. Uh, so, how we're going to what we're going to talk about right now is the age old question that many of us wrestle with: clean water or the gospel? And if you've got, as we have this conversation, we would love some interaction and to hear from you. If you've got ideas of what we talk about, give us a call here at area code three one two six six zero. Two five nine four. Maybe, maybe you have a church that you're going to that's knocking it out of the park. Absolutely. We'd love to hear about it. So let me read this for you, Cal, and then I'd love for you to just interact and to respond to this. The, the author of this writes, As the leader of a Christian water organization, I've struggled with this dilemma for years. I firmly believe that we must serve the whole person, body and soul, and I also believe that Christ must be central to all our efforts. If we solely preach the gospel, we ignore their basic physical needs. If we only give them water, teach about hygiene, and build toilets at schools, we feel like we've neglected the Christian nature of our work. Yeah, you know, the good news about this, it's an age-old problem. Yes. You know, uh, misery loves company, and this problem's been around for a long time. (laughs) So we're in good company, and we can take solace in the fact that the early church faced this. Mm. Acts chapter 6, the Hellenistic Jews complained that the Hebraic Jews— weren't uh, treating the widows well and that they were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So we have tension in the church over who's getting cared for and how is the caregiving being done. And so the 12 gathered together, the first 12 disciples, and they said it'd not be right for us to neglect the preaching of God's word in order to wait on tables. But they didn't say, they didn't say we're not going to bother distributing food anymore. So they had priorities for sure, and they had delegation of responsibilities for sure, but the church did both. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the article sets it up, is it social justice or the gospel? And that's somewhat of a false dichotomy. It's not either or. The, the article goes on to explain that. It's a both and. And so uh, the, there's a famous saying uh, among evangelists and missionaries, hungry stomachs make for poor listeners. And so we really, we want to be meeting the physical needs of people, and we want to be meeting the spiritual needs. God cares for the body. God came bodily to this world, mm-hmm. incarnation. He came in the flesh. He lived among us. He gave his body. His body was raised. His, he's embodied now. Christ is embodied right now. He'll return bodily to claim his church. So God cares about the body, and we should care about people's sufferings. Yeah, and we talked about this yesterday, that really when the gospel's at work in my own life and in the people in my church, it should necessarily break their hearts for people who are hurting. And so therefore, like I, I like how you put that, it's a both and. Mm-hmm. Uh, and without that, it, you know, if we're just going out and preaching and being the people yelling on the street corners, you know, I think that's going to fall on deaf ears. But if we're just uh, just giving the cup of cold water, never helping people understand in whose name we're doing that right. and why we're doing that. That also seems like a mess. Right. Absolutely. So and and I should I should we should point out that 
if all if you only have an opportunity to share the gospel, then share the gospel. Absolutely. But as a church, as a church functions in its community, one of the real questions we've had to wrestle with is if we disappeared, mm. would our community miss us? Mm-hmm. Would there be a felt loss? In other words, those that aren't attending church, are they aware of the positive contribution we're making in the community? And if they're if we're not making it, if we're not making a positive contribution, why aren't we? Yeah. Why aren't we meeting the tangible needs? Why aren't we demonstrating, uh, like the Good Samaritan, Luke chapter 10, why aren't we stopping and helping those that are in jeopardy, in in trouble? And so yeah. at Glowing Bible Church, we talk about the ministries of compassion mm-hmm. and conversion. Yeah. It's not one or the other, it's both and. And we talk about the attributes of discipleship being, two of them being pursuing the lost, and loving others selflessly. So pursuing the lost intentionally and loving others selflessly. I'm going to let you brag on your church a little bit. Uh, what are some things you, because there might be some pastors or some people in some churches out there right now going, I don't know, I don't know how to even start this in my community. We want to meet the needs and, yeah. you know, there's needs right in our backyard. We don't have to send mission trips all the time to Africa or whatever. Those are great. You and I yeah. went to Africa together and did some stuff. Uh, but what, what are you guys doing at your church and and what kind of, what kind of result have you seen? What kind of fruit have you seen from that in your community? Thank you. Yeah. You know, as a pastor, I'm eager to brag about my church, but <laughs> let me start by bragging about another church. Okay. All right. So we were actually mentored by Willow Creek mm. of Wheaton. Willow Creek has a campus in Wheaton and we heard they had such an impressive caregiving uh, center. They had a compassion ministry that they ran monthly. We asked them, would you show us how you do it? And would you teach us how to do it? And they said, absolutely. They mentored us in it. And so once a month, we now have launched for the last few years, a third Wednesday of the month caregiving center in which thousands of pounds, that's not uh, pastor's uh, exaggeration. It's <laughs> actually thousands of pounds of food are distributed monthly from our church to the to mm. those that don't have food and can't afford uh, to go to the grocery store. And we also... Um, throughout the year have special items we offer. We have bat, we have coats. We gave away a thousand coats in uh, September. Mm-hmm. Uh, we d- we'll do shoes. We'll do things, basic needs like underwear and socks at these monthly serves. And so, um, yeah, the, the good news here is we are growing to demonstrate compassion and not simply preach the gospel, but actually demonstrate the mm-hmm. gospel in, in showing uh, Christ's care in tangible ways and here's the great thing at the caregiving center. Not only are we distributing food, but every guest who comes through the door receives prayer. And so we walk our guests to their cars, help them with their groceries into the car. And then there's this moment of pause. It's a beautiful moment that takes place out in our parking lot where we say, hey, we want to pray for you. How can we pray for you? And there's an exchange of the gospel right there as we go to the Father in the name of Christ. And so it's, it is something we feel good about. We're growing. We feel cared for by our, another congregation in town who's taught us how to do this. So. And I know we watched you guys do it at our church at Four Corners, and we've started, at, we've started giving a free meal once mm-hmm. a month to people. Uh, and also at Christmas time, we do a Christmas market mm-hmm. where our people in our church buy all these gifts, and we sell them for next to nothing. We, we make people still buy them, but for like a dollar, two dollars. And people from the community are just so blessed. Uh, and we are super thankful. This article, go ahead. Yeah. We were so passionate about integrating the gospel with social justice. We we had partnerships, get this, we had partnerships that wouldn't let us share the gospel. So we <laughs> dropped those and started our own so that we could integrate social justice and the gospel. That's awesome. The answer is in the article, clean water or the gospel? Yes, the answer is both. So hopefully we are, we are living that out as churches 
and as as individuals, as individual Christians. Well, coming up next, as pastors, Kelly and I are going to reflect a little bit on Harvest and Willow and what we can learn on The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. AM 1160. It's time for a conversation about the things we share in common. Our common hopes, our common fears, our common struggles. Together, we'll wrestle with the questions that we all have about the issues that affect our lives. This is The Common Good. Now, here are your hosts, Brian Fromm and Ian Simpkins. Common Good on AM 1160. My name is Brian Fromm, normally joined by Ian Simpkins, but Ian is out enjoying life with a newborn son, so hopefully getting a nap uh, or something in this time right now. It's a time of great joy and exhaustion. Exactly, exactly. That voice you hear there is Kelly Brady. Kelly is filling in for Ian today. Kelly is the senior pastor at Glen Ellen Bible Church in Glen Ellen, Illinois, and I am the lead pastor at Four Corners Community Church in Darien, Illinois. A little bit of our background, Four Corners, was birthed out of Glen Ellen Bible Church. So um, Kelly and I are tied together in that way, and it's fun to have Kelly here uh, with us. Good bit of history. Good bit of history. It's good to be together. Uh, As pastors, uh, we are both passionate about the church. Mm -hmm. And we would love to hear from some of you over these next couple topics that we talk about. You could reach us at 312-660-2594. 9-4. And Kelly, uh, you know, we both pastor in the Chicagoland area here. and uh, Our heart has been hurting lately, hasn't it? Right. Over the summer, there was that hit of Willow Creek and everything mm-hmm. that went down there. And I think, you know, a lot of us, rightly or wrongly, have held up Willow as kind of mm-hmm. you know, something to be emulated. Every, we'll all go to the conferences, like be like Willow. Uh, and now everything that's going down at Harvest Bible Chapel, James McDonald, and things just feel dirt, like just messy and unraveling. Yeah. And that story... We keep having to talk about it because things keep changing. In fact, Julie Royce is going to join us again tomorrow. Um, (laughs) I'm curious, as a pastor, uh, where's your heart at on this? Uh, How does this happen? Uh, What can we be learning from this? Well, um, I'll start by saying, you know, God's grace is greater. You know, we're we're sin increased. Grace is increased all the more. The church is going to come out of this. Mm -hmm. There's every reason to hope. the gates of hell will not prevail against that. That's our Savior's own word, will not prevail against the church. That's our Savior's own words. And so we have every reason to be confident, every reason to hope. Um, I'm prayerful, you know, as I hear uh, Pastor Hybels struggling and James, Pastor McDonald struggling, I'm prayerful. I'm praying for them as men, their families, their marriages, their kids, their grandkids. Mm. I'm praying for the elders that are uh, laboring to Uh, move forward and lead the church. And I have friends in both churches. I have, um, I have served and attended. I've partnered Mm -hmm. with harvest in mission ministry efforts. And so, uh, you know, Chicagoland, it's a big area, but the church is a network and I, I hurt with them and I hurt for them. So, um, certainly I'm prayerful and I'm confident God's, God's got this, God's greater than this. And, um, been praying for the healing and the restoration that needs to take place um, on all sides. Um, mm-hmm. If if the accusations are accurate, uh, then there are victims and there are victimizers and healings needed all around. Yeah. So as a pastor, what do you do to safeguard yourself? How do you 
um, against all of this kind of stuff. You know, we all know pastors often feel under attack. There's a lot of temptation. What do you do to safeguard yourself? Yeah, you know, that's a huge question. Let me let me start by saying one of the things that I believe safeguards me mm-hmm. and the church is good ecclesiology. And that's a, you know, that's a throwaway theological word. So let me break that down. It's a good e- word. Right. Ecclesiology is, a, is the theology of the church. So what do we believe the Bible teaches about the church? And I think in some of these instances, um, it's easy to elevate the church inappropriately. In, mm-hmm. in fact, to give it a cart before the horse experience uh, so that it's elevated potentially above the Savior. And we start mm-hmm. worshiping the church rather than the Savior of the church. So I, wanna, I, wanna, I want good ecclesiology, and I'll give you an example of what I mean by that. It is often thrown around in our day and age that the church is the hope of the world. Yeah. Now, I think, I, I think the best of people that say that, but all evidence to the contrary. <laughs> yes. All, uh, the church is not the hope of the world. Jesus is the hope of the world, yeah. and Jesus is building his church against which the gates of hell will not prevail. And, and this may be a, it may seem like a subtle issue. Kelly, you're, you're straining a gnat here. Mm. But for me, it's a really big theological issue that the church is not the hope of the world. Yeah. Because if the church is the hope of the world, then pastors are the hope of the world because they're leading the church, blah, blah. And so you see how this, this quickly topples. If we have bad theology about who the church is and what we're hoping in, yeah. then we set ourselves up for failure. So one of the ways I guard my life is with good theology. Jesus is the hope of the world. And so if we get that backwards— then we do things like we we prop up pastors even mm-hmm. though they have sin because if they if we expose a pastor's sin then the church may waffle the church may fail and and frankly folks uh, pastors are sinners in need of the grace of god <laughs> and so when we have good ecclesiology then we're free to expose pastoral sin yeah. for what it is and seek the repair we when we have good ecclesiology and know who the church is and the, the Savior's in charge of the church, he's the head of the church, then we can discipline our pastors. And I'm, man, I'm really thankful and prayerful for the elders. They're, yeah. they're taking the steering wheel, and they're, they're charting the new course. And James McDonald is on a sabbatical, and that's terrific. That'll be good for his soul and his family. I'm praying for him in that. So, I, Along those lines, I was reading an article uh, about a church called Journey Church in St. Louis, led by Darren Patrick. And it was another one of these mega churches that was kind of, mm. Darren Patrick was a big deal. And uh, it got up to three. He has tremendous gifts. He does. Yeah. It, up to 3,000. It started with 100 people meeting at a community center, and it ended up being 3,000 people meeting in six locations. Uh, but then in 2016, Patrick was uh, fired from the Journey Church that he started for what ch- church officials said was misconduct. Uh, sinful conduct, including lying, abuse of power, and lack of self-control. And we've all read these articles where you expect then the next page is going to say, and six months later it closed. Mm. But what's really hopeful about this article is that that church is thriving now. Praise God. Even though it's smaller. Yeah. Right? A lot of times out there we get so hung up on the numbers of people in our churches Mm. that that becomes the driving force. But this whole article begins like, listen, we've kind of morphed into a into a new kind of church. We've got good leadership. The elders are leading more strongly, and it's no longer about that celebrity pastor. And it's hard not to think about the things going on in our community now going, okay, like this huge church was able to say, you know what? We had it wrong. We don't have to close the doors. 
we don't, like you said, have to prop up this pastor who that's our hope. Right. And instead, we can trust that God is at work in his church, through his church. The gospel is good and we can get back to being uh, what the church is supposed to be. Yeah, the elevation of gifts over godly character is one of the real perilous mm-hmm. experiences. That's one of my takeaways here. Bill Hybels, tremendous gifts. James McDonald, tremendous gifts. Darren Patrick, tremendous gifts. I think I have good gifts. <laughs> what I need to be careful of, though, is that my gifts aren't elevated among uh, above my godly character, that I have godly character to match my gifts yeah. and the challenges that are put before me uh, so that I'm not hung out to dry. It's It's frankly, it's easy to develop a platform. Here I am on the radio along with you. (laughs) If we're not careful, we develop a platform that is larger than our character can bear. Mm. And that is one way to get yourself in trouble. Another, uh, what I love about this article you referenced is they moved away from what I'm going to describe, and I don't know Darren Patrick, but I'm going to describe as maverick leadership or solo leadership to the plurality of leadership, where Mm. men together, an elder board together, are bearing the load. No single person is calling all the shots. And that's biblical. Paul appointed elders in every church that he planted. So this notion of a plurality, not one, not a single man, not only one person's hand is on the wheel, but we've all got a hand in the leadership here. And, And I saw that last weekend at Harvest, as all the elders stood on the platform and did their best, it appeared to own and yeah. say, we're doing our best to steer this ship together. The plurality of leadership is one way to guard churches against the errors that are so easily made when, when only a single person's leading. That's solid. If you've got thoughts on this, we'd love to hear from you. Area code 312-660-2594. Another one we'd like to hear from you on. When we come back, coming up, Kelly and I are going to talk about this Quite frankly, disturbing story out of the New York State Senate chamber, where not only did they pass uh, a wide-ranging abortion bill, if you will, but it got loud standing ovation cheers. And I don't know about you, but it made my heart hurt Mm. when I saw it. So we would love what what, what did you guys feel like when you saw that on the news? I'd love to hear from you. 312-660-2594. My name is Brian Fromm, alongside Kelly Brady today. This is The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. This is The Common Good with Brian Fromm and Ian Simpkins on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. AM 1160. Welcome back to The Common Good on AM 1160. My name is Brian Fromm. I am joined today by Kelly Brady. Kelly is a senior pastor at Glen Ellen Bible Church. Sitting in for Ian Simpkins. Ian will be back uh, probably next week, I would assume, because Ian is celebrating the birth of his second child along mm. with his wife. So, uh, hopefully, I see you just posted a picture of Redmond on Twitter. Hopefully he, it's a picture of his baby listening to us, listening to the common good, I would hope. <laughs> so congratulations to the Simpkins family. Again, my name is Brian Fromm. I'm the lead pastor at Four Corners Community Church in Darien, Illinois. The other voice you heard is Kelly Brady, uh, the senior pastor at uh, Glen Ellen Bible Church. Well, Cal, uh, to go from, we like to be pretty lighthearted on this show, um, and we like to try to tackle the hard questions. But to be honest with you, the topic we're going to tackle now uh, is just uh, terribly painful, I would say. And that is, if you saw the news, it is uh, what came out of the New York State Senate chamber. So let mm. me give you just a little bit of background. It says, uh, what I'm reading from Russell Moore Uh, Russell Moore's blog on this. He said, many were alarmed and dispirited by footage this week of raucous cheering in the New York State Senate chamber, Uh, kind of a celebration 
uh, of what is being termed just a, a health care bill. Mm-hmm. But in reality, in this bill, it removes any protections as persons from unborn children at any stage of pregnancy. And so you've got two things going on in this story. First is the lives of the unborn in the state of New York are now it's there's there's no protection. There's just no protection. And you just mentioned to me the dichotomy that we're here celebrating Redmond's uh, Redmond Simpkins being yeah. born while at the same time talking about this is heartbreaking. And secondly, uh, even if you believe this is an okay thing, and I'm not with you on this, but even if you believe it's an okay thing, the amount of cheering, kind of a happy day is here again mm. in the New York Senate just felt so dark to me and heartbreaking. Yeah. And like we talked about earlier, I tend to be apolitical, not on this issue. <laughs> well, and this is one of those issues that is clearly theological. Yeah. So it and, and it gets politicized, uh, understandably so. People have differing opinions on this. But this is, first and foremost, a theological issue about uh, God's person-making activities, his forming of souls in the womb. Yes. And so this is this is first and foremost theological, and it certainly has political implications. Um, let's do the pastoral thing real quick here. Yep. yep. If you've had an abortion, God's mm-hmm. grace is is greater. Wonderful point. It, it, yes. God's grace is greater. So if you're out there and you're listening, and you're a woman, you've had an abortion, or you're a man and you've participated or encouraged an abortion, God's grace is greater. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christ died for you to cover that. And I always want to point out the mercy of God is available. First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us, cleanse us. And and so our church, and I know yours too, Four Corners as well, has a, a strong partnership with Caring Network Illinois, and they have um, they have uh, programs yes. in which they, they do counseling for those that are post-abortive. And just, I want to point that out. So if you're listening, and I know we have listeners out there, I, I just know the data, the data, the raw data is... There are people sitting in the pews week after week that have had abortions, yes. and they need healing. They need God's care in their lives. That's so. a wonderful point, and we would encourage, that if that's you, you're in your car right now, mm. and you're thinking, not only God could never love me, but the church could never accept me. There's two churches, for sure, that will yes, have you. exactly. You, this is what, in some ways, the church is made for. It's broken people, loving broken a collection people. collection of sinners, exactly. celebrating God's grace. Celebrating God's grace in the hope that we find in Jesus Christ. So, Kel, that is a great pastoral moment, and if that's you out there... God loves you, grace is available, and find a body of believers uh, who and, can continue to support you. And maybe you want to call in for pastoral ministry. We Absolutely. would we would take your call. You don't have to go on air, but we just love to pray with you. Feel free to do that. Absolutely. Um, I should say, here's my shift, uh, the grace of God is not permission to continue in sin, and so that's why we discuss this. Yes. Uh, while God's grace covers this, we want to see... Um, Abortions stop yes. in America, and we, we want to see this. So it is a rightly, it's heartrending. In fact, I read some other uh, coverage of it. The coverage of what took place in the New York uh, Congress is still coming out, but apparently someone yelled at the top of their lungs, God have mercy on the state of New York. Mm. And I, man, with that, I can identify. Yes. You know, a, abortion is... Um, Abortion is clearly sin, and um, it's when you when you make your way into the into the scriptures, you see that it's 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 defined as murder because God knows us before we're yes. He knows us in the womb, yes. which implies personhood. Um, uh, abortion is murder because uh, 
that there were laws that if you struck a woman mm-hmm. and the fetus died, you were culpable for committing murder. Mm-hmm. And did you know that this New York law would apparently overturn those laws in America wow. so that in the state of New York, because you can terminate preg- uh, terminate a pregnancy up and through the third trimester now, that if you struck a woman, you would not, mm-hmm. and I'm sure that there's legislation and, and, and court issues around this, but I think it would, you'd not be liable or culpable for murder any Unbelievable. longer. Unbelievable. And if you're out there in your car, you're in your living room, you're listening on the podcast, and you're like, you know what? I, 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 I think that it's all about a, a woman or a man's right, right to choose, and you can't tell me what to do. I would just come back to you and say, when do you believe a life begins? Like, we've got so much data now, and, and we've got such clear from the new ultrasounds we can do and heart rate monitors and all these other things that, that what we thought about before just isn't true uh, about when babies can feel pain, about mm. when heartbeats are starting. So just even if you're not a believer in Jesus, just the humanity. Just the biology. Of it, of just it. the biology. The and chemistry. The hum- and the humanity right. of it all is, ba- quite frankly, is baffling to me because this isn't an issue of choice and rights. It's an issue of just as equally as the rights of the unborn. Um, and it's just heartbreaking, man, because we've got kids. We've had babies. Mm. We know people who long to have babies who can't and who would adopt babies. And it is just it, it just tears me up. It's just heartbreaking. I sat across the table from a Methodist minister who disagreed with me on this. And uh, they this Methodist minister was um, uh, pro-choice, believing that a woman should have the right to choose. And she couldn't believe that I had daughters and would actually tell my daughters they don't have the right to choose. And she said, I want my daughters to know that they have the right to choose. And I said, well, do your daughters wear seatbelts in the car? Mm-hmm. Well, yes. I said, uh, do they... Uh, do you tell them they can't smoke in uh, in restaurants and, and on airplanes? Yes. Mm. And so my point to her was we constrain the body all the time. We tell people yep. all the time that they cannot choose yep. whether or not they wear seatbelts. Yep. And so it was like new news to her. But we, we tell people how they can and cut out behave. That's what the law is all about. Mm-hmm. It's about preserving order in society. It's about restraining evil. And so... Uh, for some odd reason, we pass legislation about wearing seatbelts in cars, but then we balk at telling people that they cannot take a life. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's insanity. I don't. It, it doesn't make sense. And as Christians, we are called, like Jesus, to, to care for the least of these, the most vulnerable, uh, the most susceptible. And I can't think of anything more vulnerable than an unborn child. Yeah. And so it really comes back to what do you believe about uh, a, a when a baby becomes a human being? And Kelly did a great job pointing us already to the words of Scripture that said, I formed you in your mother's womb. Mm. I knit you together in your mother's womb. You know, I, and I'll admit, uh, I have medical doctors that are in my congregation mm-hmm. uh, that disagree on exactly when life begins. Yeah. In, in other words, the Bible doesn't tell us exactly when it begins. Mm-hmm. Is it at uh, fertilization or is it implantation of, of the uh, zygote in the, uh, the womb? So we can't tell from Scripture exactly when it begins, but we know with clarity that it begins in the womb. Mm. And so I, these medical doctors, they actually disagree. These are evangelical, passionate, yep. sincere folks, but they disagree on contraception because they disagree on when 
uh, life begins. So they, they will actually prescribe certain contraceptives because they don't want to do anything to interrupt life because God is Lord of life. And so when it comes to the womb, I encourage people of faith to be hands off and not interrupt the person informing work yes. of God in the womb, but to protect and preserve life in the womb. Yes. And so I, I do think the evangelicals uh, have done themselves a disservice when they try to say exactly when life begins, mm-hmm. because we can't say exactly when it begins, but we know that it begins in the womb and that, that we should be hands off and we should preserve and protect life there. That is a good word. Again, if, if you've had an abortion in your life and you're struggling with the shame of that, uh, know that there is grace available. Mm. Uh, the, the body of Christ wants to come around you. Join a church where you will be uh, loved and, and pointed to the grace of Jesus. But may we, as followers of Jesus, also just passionately uh, and with great vigor protect the most vulnerable, these unborn children. May we pray that, uh, that, our, that our nation takes a turn Amen. on this. May Amen. we pray. Well, that's a little heavy, but we think deeply important in what's going on in our nation right now. If you've got thoughts on that, you can do it at 312-660-2594 or or on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show. That's The Common Good Radio Show. Well, coming up next, we're going to discuss how deeply we all desire to belong. And in fact, the desire to belong being more powerful than even facts are in their life. That's going to be next on The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. This is The Common Good with Brian Fromm and Ian Simpkins on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. AM 1160. Coming up on The Common Good on AM 1160, a new study has come out to say that arguments and facts don't change people's minds, but instead, neurologically, our minds are changed primarily through relationship and relational war- relational warmth. We're going to discuss that next on The Common Good. AM 1160. Welcome back to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. My name is Brian Fromm. I'm the lead pastor at Four Corners Community Church, joined today by Kelly Brady. Kelly is the senior pastor at Glen Ellen Bible Church. Uh, again, Ian Simpkins is normally here, but Ian is out celebrating the birth of his second child. So uh, congratulations to the Simpkins family. We hope they're finally getting a little bit of rest and uh, praying for them as they as they get started. So, Kel, this is your first ever long show. How's it going for you so I'm far? I'm exhausted. <laughs> I can't tell. I can't tell. Except he's just laying down right now. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding about that. Uh, those of you who don't know, Kelly, Brady, Kelly and I have a, a longstanding hi- uh, history. Kelly hired me to my first job at Glen Ellen Bible Church, and we, we started Four Corners Community Church out of Glen Ellen. So, uh, long friendship. So, thanks for doing this. It's fun to have, it's fun to do this and go back and forth. Very challenging. Pleasure yeah. to be here, having lots of fun. So Good, good. Well, we came across a story that we want to talk about because at both of our churches, I think we talk a lot about community, right? We want people not just to know other people, but to mm. be known. We believe that it's important to be part of a family or the community uh, of Christ, to be part of the church. Uh, and there is... Uh, there is some research out there that's, that's kind of affirming that. And so let me read the article's title here, Why Facts Don't Change Our Minds. Mm. And it goes on to say this, However, truth and accuracy are not the only things that matter to the human mind. Humans also seem to have a deep desire to belong. Humans are herd animals. We want to fit in, to bond with others, and to earn the respect and approval of our peers. So basically the point is this, that 
we think that we win arguments just by facts, right? Like we, we debate them and, and we go. But really it's saying people are won over. People are brought into understanding in community, in relationship. Have yeah. you found that? What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, it sounds like junior high. <laughs> it, it sounds like, you know, I my peer group, and I'm afraid to, it, my peer group may be, you know, it's what your mother asked you. If everybody was jumping off a bridge, would you? And, and the answer to the question is supposed to be no, but in junior high and apparently even into adulthood, the truth is, yes, we're so affected by our friendships that we might follow people off a bridge. We might follow them into factual error because we so value friendships. Now, that's the downside of it. The upside of it is when we want to share our faith, it, it'll, it'll not surprise you. I'll take the pastoral side of this. Yes. But when we want to share our faith, they don't care what we know until they know what we care. Yeah. And so, you know, screaming theological facts at people, hopefully no one's doing that, Mm -hmm. but sharing theological facts is necessary, but not sufficient. Yeah. That's what this article is saying. It's if, if you want someone to join your tribe and we talk about tribalism culturally all the Mm -hmm. time, people have their, their affinity groups. If you want them to come into your group, if you want them to consider you as a friend, you're going to have to demonstrate friendship, not simply spout off facts about why your group is the best group. Yep, yep. I think we also get this as Christians. I think we understand this. Let me tell you a story um, about evangelism. So I grew up in the church. I went to youth group. I was Mr. You know, Mr. Evangelical Church in high school. And uh, we went to a conference called Operation Good News, right? So even already, it's got kind of that military feel to it. It sounds painful. I went because it was at the beach. So we went, and it was at the Jersey <laughs> the good news Shore. Is it was held at the beach. So they would teach. Here's what you would do. We were in high school, and the morning was spent almost in a classroom setting. How do you share your faith, right? And then in the afternoon, here's what they did. They gave you a script, and they dropped you at the beach in wow. pairs. We're in high school, remember? So they, I got dropped at Atlantic City, the boardwalk of Atlantic City. <laughs> wow. And you were told to go up to people with this script, and just kind of basically say, excuse me, can I talk to you? It's kind of like you're selling knives or whatever. Can I talk to you? Uh, where do you th- how do you know that you're going to heaven? Uh, what do you believe that this? And the thought process was that this would engage conversation. And I remember being a high school kid going, this is the most cringeworthy thing I've ever been a part of. And I've said this to our church. That week-long thing centered on evangelism did more to stop me mm from being, doing the work of an evangelist when I got home uh, than anything before in my life. And it's that for that reason. I think we understand when it comes to things of the faith even, they've got to be done in relationship somehow, friendship, yeah. relationship. And that's the best way to, to be able to even win somebody to the faith. I would agree. But um, I would also say I don't want to discourage people from going to Atlantic City and working the boardwalk. I, I, do, I have done. I don't regularly do. I go down to the metro station, the train platform, and I've written out my, my story really? of conversion, okay. and I hand it out. It's a little bit, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I have done some open air preaching. I went to the DeKalb, Northern Illinois campus, did some open air preaching there, um, got my lunch handed to me, actually, <laughs> by a, uh, a mathematics professor who backed me into a corner, and, and I, I didn't have the facts to get out of it. So... My point is, we shouldn't shy away from the facts. The yes. facts are needed. We need to present people with the facts that Christ is dead, buried, raised from the grave, and will return, and that an eternity apart from faith in him is, is an eternity in hell. So we need the facts. The facts matter. 
they're necessary, but they're not sufficient. We need to offer people genuine friendship. So the real challenge in the Atlantic City experience mm-hmm. is to be friendly. And yeah. I think, it, frankly, I think it's hard for a high schooler. Everybody else out there, it, it, would, it would be a hard setting yes. to offer genuine friendship and, com- and compassion and show empathy. That's, you're asking a lot from yeah. a 17-year-old male. It's also the first time I ever walked into a casino. <laughs> Not allowed to do anything in there, but wow. I, I learned a little bit. There was a lot of learning. I have some, I have some old Christian baggage. We'll unpack some more. Yeah. I love this, this line he says at the end of this uh, story. He says, the word kind originated from the word kin. When you are kind to someone, it means that you're treating them like family. This, I think, is a good method for actually changing someone's mind. Develop a friendship, share a meal, gift a book, be kind first, be right later. Yeah, I. so I, I'm, I had a Jehovah's Witness come to my door recently, I, you know, and I think Jehovah's Witnesses um, are in error theologically. Uh, they believe that Jesus is a God, not yes. the God, and... So I invite them into my house and do you really? And I, oh yeah, a couple times. In fact, there was a Jehovah's Witness working the other th- side of the street, and so I stepped out on my porch and said, "Hey, come on over here. I'm ready to go." Does he know where you live in Wheaton? Is a street of like populated almost all of pastors, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so you know, I, the whole notion of be kind first, be right later. It, it's a good. That's fair. It's helpful. And so I, I, I usually start with, "Hey, share with me who you are. Let's get to know each other. Introduce. Do you have kiddos? Where do you work? That type of thing. You're standing in my." Four year here in my living room. So, uh, you know, I try to bridge and, and, and try to get to show some genuine interest, not just berate them with yes. the theological facts. So I think that's valuable. In First Peter chapter 3, we're told, always be prepared to give an answer to mm-hmm. everyone who asks to, for you to give the reason for the hope that you have in Christ. Do this with gentleness and respect. Oh, that's good. That's the be kind. That's good. I know in our church, we talk, I'm, I'm you know, me, I kind of, lean towards relationship and shepherding and community and often tell people if you're out there and you're a part of a church, you're like, nobody knows me. Uh, I, I like to say that shallow community is the entryway to deep community. Mm-hmm. We all want to like show up at a church and have everybody be our best friend and right. be able to start to start, start to wade into the water, start to get to know people. And uh, I think your best bet for growing as a follower of Jesus is to be in relationship. That's why lots of churches, right? Mm-hmm. We do small groups or community groups and, give opportunities connect because we did a story the other day that generally uh, church people and not church people are lonely. People are lonely yeah, and, and they want to be in relationship and that that is a great way to then uh, discuss facts and discuss sure. theology. So uh, community, we want you in it and uh, be kind to others. Uh, you know, take away from this is be kind first, be right later, but also be bold when presented mm. with the opportunity. Well, we got one more segment to go. We like to end funny, so we're going to read some just crazy stuff we found on the internet. Land this plane. Uh, this is the common good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Come back and join us uh, as we finish this show out. I'm Brian Fromm along with Kelly Brady. This is the common good on AM 1160. This is the common good with Brian Fromm and Ian Simpkins on AM 1160. Hope for your life. AM 1160. Welcome back to the Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. My name is Brian Fromm alongside Kelly Brady today. Kelly, uh, we're about done here. Uh, you sat in for Ian Simpkins today as uh, Ian is home, or maybe still at the hospital with his wife as they have just welcomed in a child. 
uh, into this world. So we're happy for the Simpkins family. And our producer, Josh, loves to play fun music because in our last segment of the day, we always try to land the plane with some just fun things we have found on the Internet. So let me start with this one. I'm going to I'm going to quiz you here. You ready? Here's the quiz for you. There was a survey done on the average 25 to 34 year old in America. Are those, is this a millennial then? Pair, that? I don't even know anymore because apparently millennials are older than that now, but I don't know. The average, uh, what it is, is it's not us anymore. It's not me. <laughs> the average 25 to 34 year old in our country spends how much money a year at a coffee shop? $1,231. <laughs> no, in fact, you're low. The average spent is $2,008. $2,008. Here's the problem, though. I think I probably spend that much. Even just on unsweet. You know the best Christmas gift I got this year? Well, sorry. If you gave me a Christmas gift. (laughs) One of the best Christmas gifts I got is called the January Cup. What is it? It's uh, I take it into my uh, Starbucks and they fill it for free every day. Stop. It's called the, and they do it for the month of January 2019. Uh, Okay, not for the whole year. No, just for the month of January. And it's awesome. Free coffee. And so I'm in there every day. So my wife. Uh, you know Carrie well. For some reason, we both go to Panera a good amount. We both have cards that aren't linked to each other, and I never get this deal. And like for the third time, she got the deal where for the entire month, you get a free bagel. No questions asked. You just go in and you put your phone number in and you get a free bagel. So today I was working at Panera. And you she's put like, her number in. She said, get me the bagel. So it's sitting <laughs> in my car. And if you know my wife, I think they do this, obviously, to get you there. Yeah, She'll just get the bagel. And so that's why they're losing money on her. Yes, they the carry from discount is what it is. Okay, this is this is not a laughing matter, but it brought back. um, We'll decide if it's a laughing matter. Well, all right. So, (laughs) Nebraska woman who was driving drunk with an unrestrained child sitting on a case of beer. No. Has driver's license revoked? I hope so. <laughs> Maybe the parenting license. Now, I never sat on a case of beer, but I'm old enough to remember driving, uh, being driven around town as a child, completely unrestrained, standing in the front seat, standing as a child. I remember I remember riding in the floorboard, in the back window, on vacations. Absolutely. Yeah. And people are always like, oh, the good old days. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is a... Hopefully that woman was uh, had gotten more trouble than just her driver's license. So here we go. Got a Canada. Just the headline is funny because just think of what you think of with Canada. They can do anything. Here's the headline. Canadian Winter Festival canceled because of snow. <laughs> Canadian Winter <laughs> wait, Festival wait. canceled because of a snowstorm. It interrupted. The festival is actually called the Festival of Snow in Montreal. But the snowstorm was so bad that they had to cancel it, the intense weather. The temperature was minus 15 degrees Celsius, and snow fell for much of the day, and wind gusts limited the visibility. So I love that. Canadian Winter Festival canceled because of snow. Here's one from your home state. I Uh-oh. Thief, only in Jersey. Only in Jersey. A thief steals 1000 bucks from a Girl Scout troop who oh. is selling cookies. Oh, no. <laughs> Uh, two thoughts to that. That that person deserves that. That there's a special place in hell for that person, <laughs> and it's Jersey. <laughs> it's Jersey. Uh, here's one, Florida. If you've listened, uh, Ian and I have figured out that the vast majority of the stories we do are, are either uh, done in Florida uh, or they're done in England and they're done in London. So this one's Florida. 
distracted by rare eclipse, right? The, the eclipse, the super blood wolf moon the other day, uh, distracted by the rare eclipse, Stargazer's SUV gets swamped. It says they were watching the moon when they should have been watching the tide. Skygazers at Ponta Vedra Beach were watching the rare lunar eclipse known as the Super Blood Wolf Moon on Sunday when the high tide crept in and the St. John and uh, their cars uh, got swamped. And so it says the extent of the damage to the vehicle was unknown, but everybody made it out in safety. We say to that, that is Florida. You got another one for us? Georgia Tech student robbed on Krispy Kreme run, forced to drive to ATM. Now, that's not yeah. funny either. A lot of crime out there and petty crime. How about this one? Wisconsin, a 34-year-old man wrecks his home with an axe after he thought his wife damaged his action figures. We need something funny. On oh, this the- one's funny. Come on. He thought his wife damaged his action figures, so he took an axe to her car, and then he called 911 on himself. There you go. There you go. You got another one? Uh, carjacker, apparently unfamiliar with how cars work, fails at attempt to steal vehicle. Pittsburgh police are investigating an attempted armed carjacking that ended with the alleged carjacker giving up and running away. Police said that on January 16th, the 20-year-old man said he had stopped at his house to drop off food for his grandma, left his friend waiting inside a running vehicle. The gunman approached as the driver ran into the house. According to police, when the gunman then ordered the victim's friend, who was still waiting inside the vehicle, to get out of the car. <laughs> but he couldn't drive it away. He didn't know how to drive. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> he gave up and fled on foot. <laughs> We've got a winner. We've got a winner. That is terrible. <laughs> that is really funny. Uh, here's one for you. You want to hear about the world's most expensive iPhone 5? So yes. this is a couple, you know, a couple iPhone versions ago. The world's most expensive iPhone 5 was worth $15 million. It was made of 135 grams of 24-karat gold, uh, and the case was inlaid with 600 white diamonds. That is, uh, there's something in there about the ridiculousness of our I've got world. no category for that. No, I don't either. I don't either. Uh, now my wife heard that and like, hey, it was our anniversary yesterday. <laughs> Last one. Give me one more. From England, as you there predicted. It is. There as you it predicted. Is. Apparently, in England, you can get out of a ticket if your ticket is covered in pigeon poo. Bizarre parking. <laughs> bizarre parking fine upheld by council after pigeon poo covered the permit debate. Oh, that's good. I wonder if people like carry around. Uh, never mind. Angry Birds teamed up with Traffic Warden, Angry apparently, <laughs> to Angry produce Birds. a ludicrous parking fine. Uh, that's really funny. That's good. Well, England, now, you, now you're good. Someday, Ian and I joke we need to do a remote either in Florida or in England or to see if this is uh, this crazy. Well, Kel, we've got a minute or two left. I want to thank you for coming. In fact, you did such a good job. You're going to host with me on Friday. Woohoo! So I'm excited for that. Uh, what's one or two takeaways from our day today that maybe people are just tuning in? Uh, what's one or two stories or lessons that are sticking with you for today? Today felt like a, a kind of a politically heavy day when yeah. I came in. I didn't see it coming, but uh, I just, uh, I think as a pastor, I, I feel like I learned from Noah Tolley yeah. a, a little bit, and uh, I'll go look at uh, the AND campaign website and see what I can learn. I'm always wanting to learn there, and frankly, I think it's hard for, for pastors to get good coaching on ha- how to handle political issues, Absolutely, how to handle them well. You know, we're trained in theology, uh, we focus there. But the segue from theology to application in the political realm can be difficult. And so I, I personally challenge there and want to figure that out. I, I will I will be left thinking about, and you've used this line to me before, 
but that the nuance, the semantics that are very important, that the church isn't the hope of the world, but that Jesus is the hope of the world. Uh, we've spent a lot of time in our first three weeks here talking about harvest or talking about depressing things from the church. And I thought that was a great reminder mm. from yourself. Hey, Kel, thanks for being here today, my friend. See you Friday. We're going to do it again. We're going to do it again. And we're really glad that you joined us today on The Common Good. Again, my name is Brian Fromm. I've been joined by Kelly Brady today. This is The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Have a wonderful Wednesday evening, Chicagoland. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.